into September. You know what that means. Training camps in the junior level are underway and we're inching towards the start of rookie camps in the National Hockey League. Welcome to In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop. Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Darren Millard along with Kevin Woodley and the recognizable David Hutchison. This is a day. Uh, Hutch is signing autographs as he walks through lobbies. Woody is is enjoying this thoroughly, and I am just bowing at the feet of Hutch. Wrong Hutch. Wrong Hutch. No, no, no. This I, is I this is you. This is the, the reach. little Hutch has signed autographs this week. The big Hutch has signed no autographs. Listen, I'm talking about our feature interview this week, uh, and that is Joel Holfer. Uh, there you Joel, go. Joel, uh, brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR, will join us and talk about the reach of Ingle Radio, the podcast, and how it influences even professionals. I don't know why you're downplaying this, Hutch. <laughs> In the best way, that one, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, every now and then we save. When a guy mentions that he listens to the podcast, but to think, I, I don't even want to tease it. This is probably the best little shout out we've had in an interview, at least for me, the most exciting, Woody. That's two two of the past three, right? Like we had the Wedgwood yeah. interview where it was ingoalmag.com and Ingoal Premium that was getting the shout out in terms of making a change based on a goalie coach sending him an article and Jake Allen sharing some advice. And now this week directly, like, yeah, I'm. I, I was kind of shocked when I heard it, and uh, I can't wait for everyone to everyone else to hear it. It's kind of it's a funny one. It's a good one. It's awesome. It's it's being mentioned all over the place. I was watching a video about Brian Decord uh, talking about the panda uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think I've mentioned this uh, mm -hmm. recently, and he was saying, "Hey, if you guys got the uh, the newsletter from Inglow Magazine, uh, this was in here." And I'm like, "What? What? what? This is this is awesome. Uh, good on you guys, and uh, and what you guys are doing for the position." And this great sport. Uh, I am working on our Bible. I wanted to let you know. I, I hinted at that uh, last week, and Hutch wondered who is going to be able to do this, who's going to keep track of it. I've written some things down, so uh, I'll, I'll make sure that I forward to you guys. But if you got any suggestions, uh, listeners, uh, let us know. Things that should be in the Ingol Mag, Ingol Radio, the podcast Bible of sayings and phrases. I think that glossary of terms needs to, we got to get warm up sticks. Just let me know when you need my entry into that one. I'll, I'll make sure that we get an illustration. We'll have a little picture in there. Agreed. I'm ready. I'm it on down. board for the warm up stick train this year. There we are. Uh, hey. yeah, there's some, some, some cool stuff in here. Uh, headshots is, is one of them. Head trajectory is another. Mm -hmm. Headshots came out of head trajectory. Uh, and speaking of uh, having your head up and uh, looking in the right direction, Jake Ottinger signs uh, coming off uh, his entry-level contract. Uh, about where we expect, we're not seeing the great leaps in goaltenders like we are players uh, coming off the entry level, but still right in the ballpark of, of where you'd expect in that $4 million AAV, uh, Woody. Yeah, and I think uh, given the cap situation of the Dallas Stars, probably not a bad bet to make if you're Jake Ottinger because there's going to be more money <clears throat> excuse me, available uh, from Dallas when that contract expires. And they're a team that's a little bit up against a cap crunch right now. So take a little less now and only sign for three years. Like Think of the Thatcher Demko contract, right? Five years at $5 million. That's a bargain for another four seasons here in Vancouver. 
Shesterkin 5.6, got a little more money, but again, shorter term. Like to me, he's the one that could set the standard when his contract expires. I think he only signed for three or four years. So a um, bit of a bet by the goaltenders themselves uh, coming out of the entry level. Like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna make a transition and then it's going to pay off at the end. I'm curious to see where it all goes. Like Shesterkin's the one I've earmarked because he's clearly established himself as an elite goaltender in the game already. He's already won a Vesna trophy. We see what he's capable of. And yet I can't help but think that goaltender salaries are being depressed and will continue to be depressed by the fact that they're not playing as many games as they used to. Like we're down to, and I've heard teams now talking about an ideal workload being, it went from guys playing 70 games to 65 to 60. And now we're hearing teams talk about 50 to 55 as an ideal workload. And so it's just the reality. If you're only playing 50 or 55 games at the upper level, and we saw what, three guys get over, or the top three guys were 67, 66, and 64 last year, and two of them didn't make it to the end of the season before getting hurt in Demko and Saros. Like, I think if the trend goes down for games played, even at the elite number one level, uh, salaries coming down for NHL goaltenders will will also happen. Do you think the number for your, your goaltending, so the, the number that you're paying for National Hockey League net mining uh, on an AAV, is is that changing as we go along? Even with the uh, the starter number coming down, I wonder if the backup would go up, or or whether or not uh, we're seeing any type of drop off in uh, what the goaltenders are being paid. I just think there's more balance. Like I think goaltending's, yeah. you know, like how you're not going to see like Bob's ten million dollar contract, you know, sort of scared a lot of people off for starters. Uh, Vasilevsky's up there, Carey's up there, but looks like he's done with a lot of years left on it. Like, I just think in an era where you need two, three, maybe even four goaltenders in your organization that are capable of playing, you're going to see more teams willing to sort of balance out that act. Listen, if I, if I can only get 55 or 60 from my starter, I can't afford to pay him too much because I need another guy. I need to pay a guy that's able to play 30 and give us good goaltending there. So there are going to be exceptions. And that's why I look at Shishterkin just because he's at such a high level already. And when his contract expires, is he capable of getting into the nines or tens? But sort of outside of that list, you know, look at Jacob Markstrom was the premier unrestricted free agent with multiple teams pursuing him just two summers ago. And what, six times six, right? You know, not eight, nine, ten million dollars. So again, I just think there's a trend towards paying your number ones less and maybe more of a balancing act between your number one and your number two. And you know, at the risk of losing my goalie union card, it's kind of hard to argue it when the game's played come down like that. Number for a team uh, below below nine now uh, for for both goaltenders, Hutch, do you think? Uh, it could be. I mean, I, I would argue with Woody a little bit just because it's fun. Uh, I don't think it's just about games played because you influence the game far more than a second line center does. Uh, so you don't need to play 82 games to have that same sort of impact. And I think you could argue, of course, we would argue that a goaltender deserves that kind of money. Um, but but I think it's partly what we talked about here before. There's the risk-averse culture of hockey. And to put $10 million down on a goaltender that might not work out, you're kind of stuck with them. Whereas your third-line center, somebody could be moved around in the lineup. Obviously, you don't want to soak that kind of money into the salary cap if you don't have to. But the mistakes are a little bit more forgivable when you're making them with uh, with skaters than you are with goaltenders. So I think people are very risk averse, uh, you know, combined with that fact that we've talked about many times and, and Woody even brought up here. There's there's a lot wider 
range of goaltenders out there, not a wider range. There's a lot more parity amongst goaltenders. There's a lot more great goaltenders out there. So uh, I think general managers think they can find one, even though it doesn't seem they can too often. As a fan, do you guys like tandem or do you like a number one guy? Oh, I'm just give me star power, baby. Give me, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. I, although yeah. like some of the best stories, right? Like, like how good was Scott Wedgwood, right? Like, and, and finally earning a one-way contract, like, and sort of the, I love that the evolution of guys that maybe sometimes everybody says goaltending takes longer, but sometimes it's just like, it takes longer for them to find a voice that gives them something that clicks at this level. Uh, Charlie Lindgren, like, so I like star power and I think, you know, look over my shoulder. I guess the people listening can't, but we got three jerseys on the wall in my office behind me. You know, Price, Lundquist, Luongo. Like, that's what I grew up with. They, the guys that were playing like 70 a year and um, that type of elite number one sort of star power, starter power. And maybe we're losing a little bit of that because they're all done, right? Like, that's the other thing. Like, look at the retirements that we've had of late, like, and guys that might be finished because of injuries. Like, it's a... It's a little bit depressing to me that we're losing some of that star power, but I just think that's the way the game's going right now. And and I don't want it to be a negative because some of it is there's more guys in that two hole that are ready to fill it, right? Like there's yeah. more guys in the two hole that can give or, you 30 or 40 or games three. or push for a number yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you can't have absolute dominance, I mean, I love dominance, whether it's in hockey or how about Serena Williams? Shout out to her just reaching the end of her career this week uh a tiger woods dominance those are great things to watch if we can have a goaltender that dominates on that level darren i'd i'd far rather have that but if we're not going to have that sort of dominance then let's have a great tandem because the more people we can enjoy the better one of my favorite uh, activities has always been going back and looking at the backups for some of the great goaltenders in nhl history whether it's lou or hasek or wah and and go through because they always played uh, every game and you go back and go okay that guy was there for a couple of years and 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 so forth and and we 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 have kind of lost that type of support role we have and and also isn't the role of the backup just aside from the number of games played that we talk about um there isn't the same room for error with 32 teams in the league you're trying to earn a playoff spot it's not quite what it was back when we had a 21 team league and uh, earning your way into the playoffs wasn't such the deal. So playing a backup that maybe didn't have that same cachet as the starter back in the day was, was one thing, but today you've got to be able to play. You just, you can't have one guy only. Woody. No, he's absolutely right. You need to like touch that earlier. You need three. So um, I guess at the end of the day, I could go both ways. I love the star power and we have the star power, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Igor Shesterkin is unfreaking believable. Andre Vasilevsky is unfreaking believable. And Vasilevsky is also one of the last of a sort of the workhorses as well. Like that guy just has a motor that doesn't stop. But Igor Shesterkin is giving us goaltending at a level like his season last year was for most of it was at a level we hadn't seen in a decade. And yet still, the games played were limited. So I like I don't know that it's a lack of star power. It's just the recognition that we can't burn our stars out or we're not going to get the most out of them at a time of the season when we need them to be their best in the playoffs. And that's why you, know, you still have the star power. But you know, if I'm a I'm a fan of the game or a fan of goaltending and the New York Rangers are coming to town, 
like I basically have what a 55 to 60% chance that I'm going to actually see Igor Shesterkin play in my building. Whereas in the past, it was more like 80 or 90 that you'd see that number one star goaltender. Now, even though they're a star, even though they're the best in the league, they're not necessarily playing as often as they used to. Yeah. Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, you, you know that they're going to play. Uh, beyond that, it's, it's up there. Uh, and it's for a toss. And don't forget that those backups need ice time because, as we just said, they're needed more than ever. So, therefore, you you also need to have them getting some ice time so they're ready because, as we've mentioned on here many times, rare is the goaltender who can sit on the bench for a month and a half between starts and be effective. Markstrom, Demko, also guys that uh, that carry more uh, of the load. We'll see how uh, how that progresses. Uh, Let's get into our gear segment, because that's a really interesting take this week. Uh, As we check out uh, what's going on at the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. They must be ramping up like crazy. I'm jealous that you get to go and and hang out uh, every couple of weeks. Well, Back to Hockey Sale is on now, folks. So make sure you check them out if you're looking for whether it's, you know, a new set of steel or some knee pads or a new jock or complete head to toe setup uh, to head back to hockey yourself. There's a good chance it's on discount right now at thehockeyshop.com or in person at the hockey shop. Uh, they've also got, and we're going to talk about it this week, a whole bunch of true 12.2 gear in, which is exciting because let's be honest, uh, as popular as it's been at the National Hockey League and pro level, it's been a little hard to come by at retail. So I was really excited to walk in and see a a wall full of the new True 12.2. But as Cam's about to tell us, it comes with a plot twist. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We are down here in Goalie Utopia, surrounded by True Gear. 12.2 12.2 line hasn't been the case a lot limited supply hard to get you've got a- it's here it's actually here like it's not fake this is real this is this exists plot twist though can we call it that little bit of a plot twist so you're gonna see 12.2 showing up um at retail stores finally in larger amounts the one twist is this is designed by Lefebvre made in Vietnam made overseas. So True finally has, and this is the reality we talked about throughout, the only way you're ever going to meet the demand and and increase your supply, given how small the factory is in Montreal and how much demand there is at the pro, minor pro, college levels, was to start making it overseas. And so the good news, folks, is same materials, same design. It's here. Uh, I don't think making stuff overseas is a bad thing. Most companies are doing it at this point. Walk me through some of the highlights. Are there any differences other than the fact it says designed by Lefebvre rather than made by Lefebvre and it's not made in the factory? This is the same pad, no? Correct, correct. So we're not, we're not losing anything by any means and it's, it's not going to be a far departure. So if you're after a 12.2, you can definitely find it here. Once again, Kevin kind of mentioned it there. So we're talking about same core materials. We're talking about same outer leather thickness. Um, we're still yet the fast glide on the side of the pad as well. So once again, we're not taking necessarily anything away in terms of performance value out of the pad. So if you felt comfortable in a domestic set, theory, you should feel just as comfortable in this import set. So you should be able to go back to our old review and see a lot of the highlights on the pad in particular are the same. 
Um, we'll walk through some of the key ones really yes. quickly here today, but I wanted to go to some of the differences. And one of them would be, again, because we're not ordering custom, this is a sort of stock set. And that means stock models on blocker and glove. So the yes. 600 brake will come stock with this line. Uh, here in the store, you've got different colors, obviously in different color schemes and different options, but it's the 600 brake that's stock. Also stock sizing. So 32 plus two, all the way to 36 plus two. Um, nothing in between in terms of for like special sizing, no like 34 plus 1.5 or anything like that. You are falling into the stock sizing category. So hopefully that works for you. Continuing with the theme of the pad. Blocker. Five, it's a 595 a stock, but for those that, I think the 600 nomenclature, we're going to go with what I want to talk about first, Cam. Um, I love you, buddy. It's all peace, love, and dope around here now, but we've got to go with the my show, my show, my show. Uh, everybody knows what a 600 brake is on the glove. Yeah. 595 blocker, just no to refresh it. So that's just basically the binding. No binding. That's one. it. And the one that has binding if we were doing custom is called? 585. Yeah, I'm putting you to the test. All right, now you can have your patch. Show me the highlights. Okay. We still see our FRS system. Exact same as what you are going to find on that 12.2 uh, domestic pad. Nice wraparound fit. Um, again, some great feedback in terms of responsiveness. Um, it's really kind of garnered its own um, following. We'll call it for lack of a better term. Uh, recessed knee. Stock sure grip foam on the actual knee cradle itself. Um, removable outer knee flap. So again, for those that like to strap it down behind their calf, you can just get rid of this. It just laces out. Um, single brake core, single brake outer roll, soft glute, but there is some give back to it and still a stiffer upper thigh ride. So again, for those people looking for a pad that's hopefully going to continue to last, you know, into those later parts of the season, I mean, especially with that stiffness that this upper thigh rise provides, that should help to give back to you. Well, well. and also that's, uh, it may not be made at the factory in Montreal anymore, or this model isn't, but that's the most common sort of prospect, that stiffer thigh rise and from the knee up is pretty much common for, for a lot of their pros in the 12.2 model. Correct. Supervised by those, again, uh, like from the actual Lafayette factory themselves, have been over to go and monitor production. So again, that QC control is definitely there. Uh, stock, pro laces. Like this. Yes. Like, like this model. We were on the ice with Eric Comrie earlier this summer, and he's, he's in this. I like the fact that they've sort of created a fixed length before the bungee kicks in. Correct. So definitely not that feedback for reverse V8s positions in terms of integrating your boot and your toe down into that post. This is allowing a little bit more of that gap to really get that toe cap behind that post so you can get that boot nice and stuck in front. Anything else? Uh, you, you did touch on it. 600 brake glove, double T stock. Um, it's going to be coming with either black skate lace for black or white with all the other ones. Game ready palm. Actually, good, great stock off the field closure, to be honest. But a good feeling glove for, for what it is. So uh, once again, those familiar with that 600 break, again, looking for just an easy transition, something stock off the wall, you can definitely find it here. And remember, folks, we do a deeper dive on the 12.2 originally when it came in from the Montreal factory. The reality is this may not be made there, but all the sort of specs still apply for their stock The things you're going to want. The things you're going to want. Are all still in here. Yes. True, 12.2. More importantly, it's in here, in the store, in Gold Utopia, available for you. If you have any questions about fit, uh, about options, is custom still available? That's a tough one right now. Make sure you ask Cam. Call him. Where can they get a hold of you with those questions? Call me or the boys. Or, 604. Or the crew. 589-8299 or 1-800-567-77. Nine zero. It's been a long week for camp. It has been. www.thehockeyshop.com. There you go. That's your best option. Make sure you check them out online at thehockeyshop.com because all this gear 
is available online. As Cam said, it's all stock now. Um, you can buy it online. There you go. Done. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Nothing better than hearing you guys hang out over there. And uh, that was uh, really interesting information about the True and the 12.2. But also uh, what uh, wasn't mentioned was just who you bump into at the hockey shop. Well, how about how about bumping into RJ Jacobson? A little more than a bump into. It was a little bit planned. Um, from Perth, Australia, a goaltender. And gear is a little bit tougher to come by over there. So RJ, who reached out to us through the podcast, was uh, had a trip uh, to Calgary and Vancouver coming, seeing some family. And so actually the original plan was to meet him at the hockey shop. Uh, but the Canucks were doing that in an informal skate. Uh, Ian Clark was working with his goalies at Scotiabarn Eight Rinks uh, out in uh, Burnaby. And so I, he sent me a very jet lag note about what time he would be at the hockey shop the next morning. And I said, you know what? Um, I actually got to be somewhere else at a certain hour. Why don't you meet me there? So RJ came out and, and just basically sat in the freezing cold stands. Like we, we didn't go all cushy and sit in the lounge area. We sat out, out on the ice and it is cold at Eight Rinks. And watch Thatcher Demko and Colin Delia and Spencer Martin and Arthur Silovs go for through drills for an hour. And then he went to the hockey shop with a little in-goal swag to boot. Um, but he went to the hockey shop and, and Hutch, did, did I hear right? He spent six hours there. Yeah, sent us a note how happy he was about having to uh, get getting to meet you, Woody. And then said he spent six full hours at the shop going through all the gear um, I think Cam might have been away, but he gave a little shout out to Brendan and Cooper for looking after him so well. As you've said many times on the uh, gear segment, Woody, Cam's a great guy, but he's got a great crew there. So if you need any help at the hockey shop, you can call any of these guys. Yeah, and Cam was actually out on official business. He was uh, he was in Montreal getting a look at next year's CCM gear, which we've already seen and which happened to little Parts of it happened to debut on Thatcher Demko at eight ranks. While we were there, the new E-Flex 6 is something we're seeing and something Cam was checking out for next year. So uh, Cam wasn't there, but like you said, good crew. And RJ, thanks for thanks for reaching out to us, folks. If you're listening and you're going to be in town, feel free to send us a note and maybe we'll get a chance to, if it works in our schedules. And and when you're coming all the way from Australia, we're going to do our damnedest to make sure it works in our schedules. And so it was it was just really cool to to hang out with RJ and and watch a little goaltending with him, and, and and he's got a real eye for the position, and a huge fan of it, and awesome that he got to go hang out at the hockey shop, and I think just a little more selection than he's used to at the uh, at the old uh, local store in Perth, Australia, when it comes to goalie gear. Well, six hours anywhere is a long time, but yes, I love the fact that he did that because that, that I mean that's right to the core of of why we love this game and be able to be able to hang out and try on gloves and and look at masks and pads and everything i get that that is really cool it goes back to your initial uh startup in the sport hutch i mean it's why we love the game isn't it Darren? yeah so getting that opportunity to do that is is gold and great of kevin and cam to to be so accommodating i think they need to put a coffee shop in to the hockey shop you're right you know because i've i've been on a few mountain biking trips to Moab was one of the most memorable ones. And part of the daily routine is to go into the shop, grab a coffee in the little coffee shop they have in there and just hang out and go through all the gear. 
So uh, I think we need to have the espresso machine downstairs in Goal Utopia. Well, it won't be downstairs. They're moving soon, so maybe there won't be a downstairs. Goal Utopia will have its sort of own section in the store and a massive store it's going to be. Uh, I think we will have to put that request in with Cam for a uh, a designated coffee coffee supply chain. Brilliant. I love it. Uh, Things just come organically on Ingoal Radio, the podcast. Uh, Just uh, one note on True. I get this... uh, uh, change that they've done because they've always been North American based manufactured. Uh, they they got to get the product out. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think like it's not a certainly hope nobody hears us saying sharing that information as a criticism. Um, it's just reality. And I think if you're somebody that's had to wait months and months and months and in some cases, months and months more um, to get custom made stuff from the Montreal factory, just there's so much demand there. It's such a small factory. We've had the pleasure of getting to be there with Michelle and Patrick Lefebvre in the past, uh, back when they were partners with CCM. And the reality was with the demand at the pro and college level, um, there's just not enough production slots left to satisfy retail. And so this was inevitable, I think. And, and the reality is, um, all the manufacturing experience that Pat Lefebvre would have had uh, from his days with CCM and overseas and making sure that things are done right over there. Um, you know, I kind of joked with Cam, uh, we grabbed the glove and the closure on the game ready, to be perfectly honest with you, was a little easier out of the box than some of the stuff that was coming from the Montreal factory. So um, they've got their... You know, not that the ones from the Montreal factory obviously would have broken in perfectly, but like they've got the process dialed. Like, you know, it, it says designed by Lefebvre the same way my very expensive iPhone 12 or 13 or whatever the hell it is comes in a box that says designed in California. Well, it ain't built there. That's just the reality of manufacturing these days. So the fact that we were excited to see all this true gear in the store comes with the reality that for that to be able to happen requires this step. And so it's nothing to shy away from. Um, It's something that other companies have done very well. And I don't think anybody should be shocked that this was coming from True. And you still can get, the slots are very limited, but you, if you're lucky, you still can get custom built stuff from the factory in Montreal, from the Lefebvre's and from True. It's just, again, not everybody is willing to wait that long um, to get a spot. And when you can walk into the store and have, you know, the same stuff sitting there waiting for you to take home that day, um, that's how retail works. So um, not a slag to be sharing this, but just a reality. As we see that inventory, I think it needs to come with the caveat that it wasn't built in Montreal. Because there are a lot of people that were excited about True for that reason. And I think it shouldn't be for that reason alone. But if you were... I mean, I, I don't know what world you were living in to think that that could be sustained long term as the only retail option, frankly. Uh, sometimes you can be put together on different locations, just like our feature interview of the week uh, brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Joel Hofer has had a journey along the way. And this week, uh, Hutch gets a chance to catch up with the netminder of the St. Louis Blues property on his next step uh, as he makes that uh, that progression and it's all thanks to Sensorina Sensorina VR with our feature interview. Sure is Sensorina is bringing goaltending training to people around the world. You don't need a sheet of ice at home. You can put on the virtual reality headset and get some incredible training you can face whether it's age appropriate shooters you want to face or all the way up to professionals. Uh, you can 
train at home every day with Sensorina. And now is perhaps the best time in a long time to become a Sensorina member. I say member because you're uh, subscribing to the service. They update it all the time with great new features. And they now have a deal on uh, $289 off a membership. Um, I'm talking from Canada here. Your price may change slightly depending on where you're purchasing it from. But basically, it adds up to just about half price for an annual membership now if you use the code IGM50. So encourage everybody to go check out Sense Arena. Uh, whether you're a goaltender, a player, or now even a tennis player, uh, Sense Arena can help you with your sport train like, uh, like a pro. And uh, most of the pros that we talk to now, guys, have at least had some experience with Sense Arena and really recognize uh, what a great product it is. Yeah, can I just say it's not just pros? It's funny because I know a lot of people hear us raving about this product all the time, and there might be some skepticism out that out there. I get it; like, not everybody understands just how realistic virtual reality can be. Um, but we got a note from a parent uh, last week, Andrew Redden, who sent it and gave us permission to share. His son Mark is an 11 year old AAA goalie, uh, and he basically took the summer off. Took wasn't on the ice at all. Eight weeks without any skating, tennis, swimming, other sports. Love to hear that, especially at the age of 11. Um, but the one thing he did during that time, often they were a family that was a little hesitant to make that plunge, but he used Sensorina regularly, almost daily in the final month leading up to his tryouts. And when he came off the ice after his first practice, the first thing he said to his dad was, wow, Sensorina really improved my tracking. Uh, and talked about how it was so much easier to make saves with both hands after using Sensorina pucks going right into the pocket of the glove, kind of matching what we hear right up to the pro level, how beneficial a tool this can be. So um, I know it's like, listen, now's a great time to get in because of the sale that's on. We realize that there's equipment involved. This is a, a significant investment. So it's really nice to hear uh, we're asking we're asking a lot of some parents to to take this leap of faith with us based on our word. So it's nice to hear that positive feedback. We hear a lot of it. Um, the people we do talk to, once they take that plunge, they're kind of like, hey, you guys are right. I wish I'd started this sooner. <laughs> um, we've had other parents reach out and say like anybody, I think the one note I got that was like anybody who's not using this is probably falling behind in the summer. So it's nice to hear that uh, Sensorina is finding ways to help goalies that can't get on the ice. And like you said, Hutch, right up to the pro level, even the goalies that can still find some benefit from it. So um proud to have them as a partner. And uh, I think the one thing about us you'll know is uh, if if it was fluff or didn't work, uh, not a partnership we'd be interested in, but this is legit. And because of the validation we've received on it, that's why we continue with this partnership quite proudly, I should say. Validation, that might be the perfect word to sum up Joel Hofer. Uh, what an incredible uh, journey that he's been on. And you guys get into it, Hutch, with your conversation about not drafted into the Western Hockey League and makes that progression. Hockey Canada burst onto the scene there and now is knocking on the door of a National Hockey League spot. Absolutely. It was a, both a literal and a figurative journey because we caught up with uh, Joel as he was on his way to training camp, driving from Winnipeg, Manitoba, down to St. Louis, about a 13-hour drive all alone. Uh, so we had lots of time to catch up. If anybody thinks that the pro lifestyle is glamorous, there's parts of it that most certainly aren't. Although Joel did tell me that in, uh, in junior hockey, he had to make a much longer drive from Winnipeg down to Portland as well. So 
Um, what, a, what a great young man he is. He's been very generous with his time. Uh, since he was a, a young goaltender, we've known Joel and been able to catch up with him every year. And so he shared uh, some of that journey. And look, guys, you everybody looks around and they see the goalies that make the, I don't even want to say traditional, but the, the clearest route to the pros, uh, getting drafted into the CHL. And then after that, they're identified by Hockey Canada at a young age and brought into camps. And then maybe it's World Juniors. And everybody thinks that just because we see goaltenders do that, it's the only route to the pros. And and Joel is showing that uh, not everybody develops at exactly the same pace, but if you hang in there and you work really hard, uh, you can make strides and there's a path for you as well. And that might not even be through the CHL, guys. Obviously, the NCAA route for goaltenders is a very valid one as well. It uh, allows guys to to develop for a little bit longer uh, before they get their shot at the pros. And, and there's just many, many ways to love and enjoy the game. And uh, Joel is absolutely a goaltender that loves and enjoys the game. Um, to see him playing around with the puck on the ice, he's is the puck is he, he's got magic hands. It's incredible to watch. We we alluded to uh, some shootout goals that he scored in his gear this summer, and we'd love to share some of that at some point if I can find them. Um, but just his love of the game is is very apparent, and he's a student of the game because uh, he'll also challenge his coaches to explain exactly what it is that they want from him and and uh, talk about what's important in his game for him. Um, yeah, can't say enough good things about Joel and, and really appreciate him taking the time with us. And I think everybody's going to enjoy this chat while listening for that little uh, in-goal shout-out. A multifaceted conversation from stopping the puck to shooting the puck. It's Joel Holfer at In-Goal Radio, the podcast. Our guest today is Joel Hofer, who you may recall from previous podcasts, uh, spoke to us after his win as world junior champion a few years ago. Uh, Joel, welcome to the Ingle Radio podcast. How's it going? Thanks for having me. You know, as I said, people already somewhat familiar with you through our show, but let's just sort of have a quick recap of where you came from and how you got started as a goaltender. Yeah, so I uh, I started uh, playing goaltender when I was uh, ten years old. So um, I guess now in this day and age, it's kind of a late bloomer. But um, yeah, I started when I was ten. Uh, I uh, started playing in Manitoba uh, for the first at least I want to say uh, four or five years, and then when I was fifteen, I went to uh, POE in Kelowna, and I was there for two years and. And then after that, I uh, played in the Western League for uh, played there for my rookie year, and then during my second year, I got traded to Portland, where I spent another uh, year and a half. So, yeah, when I was there, I got drafted to uh, St. Louis and had my first uh, pro pro season in uh, Utica, which was uh, I guess the shortened COVID year. And then I guess this past year was my first kind of full full pro year with uh, uh, Springfield in the American League. So. Yeah, it's been definitely a, a fun, uh, you know, start to a career. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully it just keeps going, getting better. It's a whole career in a nutshell there. Just as we go back, Joel, we've held you up as a great example uh, to our listeners a number of times. And one of those reasons, of course, is that you came the sort of traditional Western Hockey League route, but you were not drafted into the Western Hockey League as a Bantam goaltender, were you? No, I was not. Uh, my draft year... I was still in uh, Manitoba, and 
Uh, I actually didn't make the the triple A team there, so I was playing double A and um, you know home hometown and stuff. And uh, the rink was like you know ten minutes from my house, so um, yeah, you obviously don't play many games uh, in a year, but um, yeah, so I didn't really. I guess you could say I didn't really expect to get drafted, but um, the year the year prior, I, I obviously uh, you know I went to POE uh, like I said and um, got some interest in some teams and um, yeah, thankfully I uh, got listed by uh, Swift Current and uh, got to go to their camp and ended up signing there. So definitely a crazy uh, crazy process. Do you have any advice for any young kids who? sort of experienced the same thing maybe had their hopes up for the draft or maybe like you didn't really expect it uh but now are are hoping for a career in hockey how do you uh how do you talk to a young sort of 14 year old goaltender who's hoping for maybe more than they're you know experiencing right now yeah the dream's not over obviously i mean um you know there's there's countless stories of you know goalies or or even players that you know haven't been uh drafted the western league or even that nhl that you know, make it and go on to have long and, uh, you know, great careers. So um, I would definitely say just, you know, focus on the things you can control and, um, you know, have fun while doing it. So, um, but yeah, I, I obviously you're going to be, you know, upset and you want to do good and all that. But, um, you know, me personally, when that happened, I just used that as, you know, motivation and, uh, you know, firing, firing me to, uh, you know, do better and, you know, work even harder than I was. So. And not a dissimilar story for you a few years later when you didn't get a whole lot of attention from Hockey Canada, but then suddenly a couple of years later, you end up the starter at the World Junior Championships. Yeah, it was that, 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 uh, you know, the way it works out is, you know, super crazy. I mean, um, the summer of the, the World Juniors, I didn't even uh, get invited to the, you know, the summer camp or whatever, but, um, you know, it's obviously like I don't, I don't make the decisions on, you know, who gets picked there so uh i tried to just you know focus on myself and you know do the things i can control and you know i was obviously on a really good uh portland portland team that year and uh you know we all went off to a hot start so i got uh i got invited to the canada russia series and yeah that's kind of how it started so uh yeah it's definitely a you know really cool story looking back at it and uh and what a what an experience it was for you and that gold medal uh strongly suggest people look back to the previous podcast and we'll share a link to that so people can hear all about it because it was it was fantastic joel uh of you to chat with us shortly after and um i still remember you giving us a sort of a tour of the mask and the and the the metal and and the whole experience so that was a, a great one i hope people will look back on but now uh you're a professional goaltender so what can you tell us about that transition from junior to pro yeah it's it's amazing um obviously you're living the dream right you're you're playing hockey for a living and uh you know i've met i've met a lot of uh you know great friends and people along the way but yeah junior is definitely definitely different than the professional level i mean uh you're on your own you're paying your own bills um you're cooking for yourself so it's definitely you know there's definitely an adjustment period there to be made but i mean that's why you know that's why that's what we grew up you know wanting we uh you know obviously want to play hockey for a living and you know do it for a long time so um, there's always, there's always going to be sacrifices, you know, obviously moving away from home is a big sacrifice and not seeing your friends and family as much, but, um, you know, it's obviously what you want, but, uh, you know, like I said, there's definitely an adjustment period there for sure. But, um, you know, I'd say I'm used to it by now. It is uh, it's a bigger step than I think people realize after you've been looked after so well by billet families through junior hockey and obviously 
your parents at home. Um, does the team yeah. give you any sort of support in learning how to do all that? I mean, you've probably never had to rent an apartment before. You've probably, you might not have even been grocery shopping before, except for with mom and dad. So, yeah. so what kind of supports are there for you? Yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, the team does a really good job of supporting you. They, they give you a, you know, a list of, uh, you know, the apartments available and, you know, what numbers to call and whatnot. But, um, I think a, a big part of it too, is just the guys on your team, like they'll help you a lot. Um, you know, the older, the older guys, the veterans, they, they definitely reach out and they, um, you know, they kind of guide you and, you know, what to do. And, um, obviously the, the athletic uh, department and with the trainers and stuff, they, they really help me with, uh, you know, the food, food side of it and, um, you know, kind of what to buy and grocery shopping and whatnot. So, um, yeah, the, everybody, uh, definitely made the transition a lot easier. How about the hockey side of things? How, how have you, uh, noticed things change for you? Because you were obviously a, a very serious junior hockey player and you already had aspirations. So I like to think you were probably pretty professional in your approach to the game. Uh, but now that you're actually a pro, how has that changed for you as a hockey player? Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely, you know, you look at things differently. I mean, um, yeah, there's it's definitely, you know, it's your job to perform and do well. But I also think that's, uh, you know, a blessing. Like, I think it, it makes you, you know, come to the rink you know, want it even more. And you know that, you know, if you're not sharp on, on a daily night that you're going to get exposed. And that was definitely a, a learning part for me. Like, I think, I think in pro there's, there's no, like everybody's a good player. You know, like I said, you're going to get exposed if you're not ready or performing at, at a high level. But yeah, I think that that makes it all the much better. There's going to be more intense hockey games, playoffs are more, all that more intense. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's, uh, it's all you, you would uh, expect. How has your game evolved uh, now that you're a professional goaltender? How that first year, year and a half gone working with Dan Stewart, David Alexander in the St. Louis system? Uh, how have you changed as a goaltender? Yeah, I would say that um, for me, it was definitely my footwork. Uh, you know, in junior, there's obviously not as high skilled as players as there would be in pro. So you almost get away with, with some things here and there. But when you're in pro, you're definitely you're more exposed. and you know, if you were to, you know, make a mistake or whatever, you're definitely going to get, like, it's going to, it's going to show and you're going to, you know, let up goals or whatever. But the footwork was definitely the biggest thing that I focused on uh, getting to pro and just always be square to the shooter and uh, the push and pull with your feet and um, all that too. But the, the other thing was for sure the puck handling. I think that was the thing for me that, you know, I really, I really wanted to get better at it. And I think that, you know, if there's two goalies that are, you know, neck and neck, that I think, you know, that could be, you know, potentially something that could separate you from the other guy. And, you know, as well as uh, helping your team man out, I think um, getting getting uh, out of the zone quicker, you know, even if they have to go back every time and you're not handling the clock, that they could, you know, get hit more more often. So anything, uh, anything to try to help the D-man, uh, I'm all for it. I want to go back to the footwork at some point, but you opened up the puck handling thread and definitely wanted to talk about that, Joel, because I'm amazed for you to say that that's something that you think has come on as a pro because watching you play around with the puck on the ice this summer, it looks like you must have been doing that since you started as a goaltender as a 10-year-old. So what has happened in the last year that, that you think that's where it's all come from? I would say just, just like you're saying, just practicing it. I mean, that's where you're going to you know get get all your reps and um you know for me like uh i just love handling the puck like i just think 
some sometimes I wish I was a player. So I guess that that could be uh, that could be a thing into it. But um, I mean, I feel like I would just rather stick to than you know sit around watching or doing doing whatever. So yeah, it's definitely you obviously watch a lot of hockey too, and you see you know you see guys uh, doing crazy plays, and you obviously you know you think you can do it, but then you try it in a game and you know it may may not uh, work out. So that gives you all the all the more uh, motivation to you know keep practicing it. But um, yeah, I just uh, I really enjoy doing it. So. Well, I, I, I know you would like to be a player because there might be some video that I've got here of you uh, scoring a nice little Forsberg on a poor young goaltender who won't be named right now. Yeah, that's uh, probably, <laughs> probably for the best that we uh, don't show that show that clip. But uh, no, I'm I think I think I think I will be showing it. I think <laughs> no, I will be showing no, it. No, yeah, it's uh, it's all all good fun and games. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of it for me. You know, having fun and. I enjoy enjoying my time on the ice. So, is there is there something specific that Dan or David has uh, done with you now as a pro to help you uh, improve that game, other than just your own desire to play with the puck a bit more? Yeah, we, uh, you know, me and Charlie worked uh, worked a lot on it this year, uh, the puck handling aspect, and um, really focusing on uh, hammering down those ten foot plays, um, and obviously not 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 really much those stretch passes, but. Like when you're when you're puck handling, the, basically the longest pass you're gonna make is is ten foot. So um, those were definitely the uh, those were definitely the biggest uh, areas we worked on. Um, we had a good drill. Just uh, the the coach would be like kind of on the hash marks, and he would dump it down, and um, we'd switch sides, uh, passing our forehand backhand, and then we had a bucket, and we would uh, we toss over the bucket. So it, that's uh, we would do that almost every day before practice. So I think just the reps, uh, you know, over and over definitely uh, helped us throughout the year. Okay, I think I, I need to bug Dan for some video of this so that we can actually show it off to people. But uh, can, can you just give me a little bit more detail on that? Because I love when people get in detail here because you know you're talking to goaltenders only and, and goalie parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's he's dumping from the hash. You're behind the net. And where's this bucket that you're putting it over? So the first couple, like the first progression of the drill, there's no bucket. So um, okay. I guess like your your goalie partner will be just like on your forehand side. So he's just dumping a pass and you're just doing five five, uh, five passes to the forehand. And then, um, you know, the goalie partner can switch up sometimes. What we would do is we, you know, show forehand and then other times show backhand. That way you're not just blindly throwing it. Like it forces you to, you know, look at the, look at the passer and, uh, you know, make okay. a strong pass. But um, we do that. And then we'd also mix in somewhere you're opening up and then feeding it with your backhand. And then uh, the goalie would go to the other side. So we'd catch it, go to uh, go to the backhand side now and then vice versa. And then we do uh, we do one where it's a continuous so that the goalie coach would uh, dump it in slower. And then uh, so it's like a play where you wouldn't really have time to, you know, handle it and, and move it where you kind of just have to move it on your own or, or sweep it over, I guess, in no sense. Just sort of a one-timer. Yeah, pretty much. And then the, uh, and then the last progression, we would just, we'd have the, the bucket almost on like the trapezoid, uh, on the, on the line of the trapezoid. So we'd, it forced okay. you to, you know, sauce over like, uh, it kind of mimics like a, a four checker stick or whatever. So you kind of have to, uh, make a strong play with it. Love it. Okay. Pro, pro drills coming up one of these days yeah. uh, for all our readers. That's fantastic. 
what do you do to try and uh, create a little bit of pressure there to, to make it tougher for you to have to make those decisions a bit quicker? Yeah, we would also, uh, we would do a, a drill with the D-men to, to where they would come back uh, like they would in a game. Uh, and then we would do a breakout and then they, the D-men would also be uh, calling and then we would get a, we would get the coach to, uh, you know, go on either side of them. So they would have to kind of make the, make the call on the go. So that'd kind of be our, our pressure, uh, pressure kind of practice. Love it. So fair to say that you can't become the puck handler that you are today without a supportive coaching staff that's going to let you work within a system like that. And, and I would assume also let you make a few mistakes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, the, the practice doesn't go on notice. I mean, um, you know, we worked on it, you know, every day, even if we, even if the night before we had a, you know, a great session where we made a lot of breakout pass to our demon, um, you know, we still do it the, the day after. So I think that definitely, I think that definitely, uh, you know, helped, helped me and Charlie's uh, game and uh, made both of us better. Okay, and again, we're just going to continue down the puck handling thread here since you did. Um, had a pretty special night in the playoffs this year, didn't you? Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely one to remember, for sure. Can you, can you share the, the scenario with everybody? Uh, yeah, so it was, my first, it was actually my first ever uh, AHL uh, playoff game. Uh, we were playing uh, Wilkes-Barre. Um, yeah, we obviously, uh, we gave, we, uh, sorry, we got a good lead. Uh, going into the third, I can't remember the exact score, but it was probably like four or five minutes left in the game. We had a two-goal lead, and they obviously dumped it in. But like when they were coming up the ice, I like kept telling myself like, "Don't go for it." Like smart, kind of just in case like if somewhere to mess up, you know, that would make it a one-goal game, and you never really know in playoffs. But yeah, they dumped it in, and I handled it great, which was like the biggest thing I know. Um, like earlier in the season, I would I would get I would get a, a rim or whatever, but I wouldn't handle it well, or it would it would bounce to my stick, so I didn't really have time with the four checkers or everything. But it was a really hard rim uh, by the player, and I I caught it clean, and I don't know, like I threw it and I went for it, and uh, you know, it worked out well. <laughs> sure, did work out well. Did you have the celly pre-planned? Like, were you ready for this moment, or was it spontaneous? Yeah, so like it's pretty crazy. Uh, earlier in the year. Or earlier in the month, I think I tried. I uh, I was actually listening to like your guys' podcast, and uh, I think Woody was like, Woody Woody mentioned something on how he uh, how there was like some beer leaguer scored a empty net goal, and you're talking about empty net goals, and you guys talking about your sellies or whatever. And I was oh, yeah. just thinking of like my celly, like what would I do? Um, and I got I got a chance actually like later that week, but I missed it. Like I, the guy uh, blocked it at like center or whatever. But that, that like because of that, I uh, I thought of uh, the Sally. So I I I, uh, I had that planned and uh, ready to go if it were to happen. Pretty crazy. That's pretty special. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, this summer at camp, uh, Eli Wilson's camp. I remember one of the young goalies said to you. How do you feel now that you've scored a goal in the playoffs? How did it feel? Do you remember what you said to him? I like, I want to say like, it's not much has changed. I can feel the same. Um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's a nice thing to have. It's almost like a, a hole in one golf, but yeah, it's definitely, it's not, 
I thought it would be like a bigger, a bigger thing, but like after the day or two, it was kind of just like whatever back to, back to, uh, you know, back to work kind of thing. But, um, yeah, yeah. definitely, it was definitely a bucket list. So it was definitely, uh, you know, super cool. No, I love that. I love that approach though. Cause it really showed, uh, the young guy asking you that question, what you're all about and how calm a goaltender you are. And like you said, back to work. So that's awesome. Speaking of bucket lists and hole in ones, have you got one of those? Because I know you're a pretty avid golfer. Yeah, I have not. I have not got one. Uh, unfortunately, I I came. Uh, I was on the lip where I lipped those last year. Uh, oh, you know, I'm pretty convinced that I'm not getting one now because that was that was my chance if I if I had one. But um, yeah, I've been uh, I've been able to uh, get out uh, on the course lots this year. So um, definitely another uh, another nice way to uh, you know get active and. Um, you know, spend some time with uh, buddies. You may have uh, heard this one on the podcast too, because we've talked about it. But what do you think uh, the similarities are between being a golfer and being a goaltender? I would say the pressure for sure, because uh, like if you're playing golf, there's no one really to uh, like. It's really just you and yourself, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a way that that's kind of what you are in goaltending. Like there's there's nowhere nowhere you can hide. It's uh, you know if you make a mistake, it's you know it's really evident. So. Um, kind of the same in the same in golf, to where you know, if you make a mistake, you're definitely getting uh, you're definitely getting tripped by your buddies. But um, yeah, I just I just love the love that aspect of it, and the other aspect in golf too is that you can never be perfect, and there's, you're always going to leave shots out there on the course, and um, you know that's kind of what I stress for in hockey. Is, but uh, yeah, it's also a, a good game to you know obviously try to you know be as best as you can. Love that one. I hadn't thought of the piece of not being able to be perfect and and that connection uh so that's a good one to add and i always add as well joel the idea that uh i think goaltending and golf are two of the few things in sports where you can't do better by trying harder yeah that's that's very true i've uh i haven't heard that one but that's uh very true now that uh now that you bring it up yeah now speaking of of the footwork in pros. Let's just go back there a little bit, because uh, you know you were a pretty good skater in junior. What's uh, what is it you're trying to accomplish? What have you added to your game from a footwork yeah. perspective this year? Uh, the biggest thing I would say is the the push pull. So um, in junior, I would definitely uh, I drag my leg behind, so um, I'd always be I'd always be I guess flat in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always I've always worked on that. And, um, you know, been, you know, cognizant of pull it, pushing and pulling and uh, trying to, you know, bring my feet in as, as, as quickly as possible. That way I can, um, I can move either way. Um, you know, if the shooter were to go there, um, another thing would be obviously to hold my feet um, as long as I can. I think, uh, you know, being a big guy, I think it's definitely an uh, advantage to me. And um, the longer I can hold my feet, I think the better. So, um, you know, it's definitely still a work in progress. There's still a lot to be, uh, Still a lot of work to be done and, you know, just trying to get better each and every day. The push-pull we're going to have to illustrate for people at some point because I think it's something that's uh, really important for young goaltenders to start learning now. Uh, how about the patience yeah. on the feet? What can you do to practice that? Um, I would say the biggest thing for me would just be work on it in practice. Obviously, just be as quick as you can and um, obviously snap the knees, you know, if, if they were to, you know, shoot. But I think... Uh, you know, sometimes I have a tendency to, you know, overread the shooter and uh, move before they, you know, shoot the puck. So um, mm-hmm. that was definitely something that I was definitely uh, focusing on 
uh, in practices during the year and uh, being patient and waiting till you know they make their release to uh, you know make the save. So, as a pro, you reach that point where I think you understand your game really well. I'm sure. What's that relationship like with your goaltending coach as a professional now? Do you want a lot of feedback? Do you just want the odd reminder? How do you work that out day to day? Yeah, I think uh, me and Dan, we had a we had a great uh, season together, and um, I think he's he's uh, you know really learned on how you know I you know I'm a really competitive guy, and obviously you know want to be I want to be the best out there on the ice each and every day, and um, you know I I'm someone who you know I definitely uh, you know I'm a visual learner, so we go over uh, you know a lot of video and such like that. You know I watch a lot of hockey too, so. Um, anything I, I can do to, uh, you know, get a step on, you know, my, uh, my competition is you know, something I, you know, I value. And, um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, anytime that, anytime that, uh, you know, Dan will, will see something, he'll obviously correct it. But, um, for the most part, I think he knows that, you know, I know where, where my mistake, uh, is coming from, but, um, maybe if he sees it two, uh, two or three times, I think he knows, uh, you know, to come with me with that. Now that you've learned so much at this point in your career, uh, what would you say to 14-year-old Joel if you could give him a little bit of advice to help him along the way? I would say enjoy it, honestly. Um, it's, gone, it's gone super quick. And, um, you know, you can, you can obviously think back to when you're 14, 15. Uh, it doesn't seem too long ago, but it definitely uh, catches up too quick. But um, besides that, obviously work hard, work hard and enjoy it. Um, you know, like I said, it goes fast and, you know, you're going to get uh, relationships that, um, you know, are going to last a lifetime. And, um, yeah, I'm definitely grateful for those moments. Fantastic. Now, speaking of relationships, you had, I, I don't want to say a unique one with uh, your partner this year, Charlie Lindgren, who's now moved on to, to Washington, but it was a little bit unusual in that you shared the net quite equally this year and, and right through the playoffs. How did that work for the two of you? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was great for us. Um, you know, I think it, it really kept, uh, kept things competitive, even in practice. We, you know, we both, uh, you know, we didn't really know, uh, you know, who was starting or whatnot. So we, we always wanted to start. Um, both of us wanted to play games. So, you know, I think that, I think that was really good for us in terms of, you know, pushing each other well and, um, you know, I think it, it complemented both of us in terms of, you know, when we would get that, that chance to play that, you know, we knew that we had to make the most of it or else, you know, we knew that, uh, you know, one of us wasn't going to get the start. But I think we, we, we pretty much went back and forth every, every start or maybe like two or something. We didn't uh, do that. But other than that, like, he was an unbelievable partner and, you know, an unbelievable person too. I can't say enough uh, good things about him. And, you know, we had a really good relationship and, um, you know, I hope to, you know, stay in touch with him this year and uh, he's earned everything he's uh, gotten so far. And, um, you know, I'm really uh, looking forward to, you know, watching him this year and I know he'll do great things. Yeah. And I'm sure he will. Lo- long time, good friend of the show and uh, very thankful everything he's been able to share with us as well and wish him luck. Um, yeah. We've often talked on the show about whether you might see a rotation like that in the playoffs and the advantages for a team, because it's, it's very difficult to make it through a deep playoff run with only one goaltender. Things just, just happen. Um, could you imagine something like that happening again? And could you maybe even imagine it happening at the NHL level? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can see uh, in the Calder Cup finals, both of uh, our team, Springfield and Chicago, they, uh, they split for most of the time. And 
Um, I know, I know more teams in the NHL are, are going back and forth, but um, I think the biggest thing with uh, the American League is how we had back to back. So that was definitely, right. that was definitely bigger, but in the NHL, they obviously don't have back to back. So um, it might be harder to, for them to implement it. But um, I mean, if, uh, if the goalie's hot, uh, and he had a great game. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like it'd be pretty hard to go uh, to go back and forth. I feel like you almost got to just ride the hot hand. But um, obviously, each each and every uh, coach is going to be different uh, in the way that they look at it. And um, but yeah, for us, it was uh, it wasn't uh, you know it wasn't nothing new to us. We uh, we split pretty much all year, so it was good though. Yeah, and a, and a great way for a young goaltender, I think, to come into the league. And and to learn your craft with somebody who's got more experience. What do you what are you thinking? Uh, what are you hearing this year will be like for you now that Charlie's moved on? Yeah, obviously, uh, you know I'm in a pretty good spot right now. I think um, obviously I wanna I wanna go uh, into camp here. I'll be pushing for a spot. Um, you know I'm obviously going there to try to make the team and um, give myself uh, you know the best chance to you know stay there for opening night. So um, just like anybody is, I mean everybody's gonna go there trying to push for spots and you know it's obviously the, the national hockey league so it's obviously you know the best the best of the best so um you know i'm definitely uh you know gonna have to be uh, ready to go there but um that being said i'm super excited and um yeah so uh even if i even if i do uh you know go to the ahl um you know i'm in a great spot and uh, just being super thankful no matter where i am and um you know even if i even if i play uh you know you know no matter how many games uh, either level i'm uh you know super grateful so well uh you got that first experience in the national hockey league last year with your first couple of games was it uh, was it everything you imagined yeah it was amazing it all it all happened uh you know pretty quickly for me you know you obviously you obviously aren't aren't uh, sure if you're gonna get a start or not uh you know when i was called up but um you know i was lucky lucky enough to uh you know get the call and um there's definitely a you know, dream come true and uh it was amazing and something i'll never forget for sure how much warning did you have that you'd be starting i didn't i didn't have that much actually i remember the night before i i like had somewhat of a hunch just because it was a it was a back-to-back but i mm-hmm. wasn't like completely sure so i almost want to say that was almost like better for me just because you know i wasn't i wasn't uh thinking about it too too much but um either way like it was still uh it was super nerve wracking, but, um, you know, I ended up getting, getting the win, which is, uh, you know, the most important, and, um, you know, I had a lot of fun doing it. So, uh, it was definitely great and you know, hopefully we can, uh, you know, have more to come. Did you, uh, have any family in the building for either game? No, my, uh, my, uh, parents couldn't make it down. Um, yeah, they were, uh, they were definitely, uh, tuning in to watch and, uh, you know, I'm sure they were pretty happy. Can you think back to your first Western Hockey League game and and compare the the nerves or the experience in any way to your first NHL game? Yeah, it was. I honestly want to say it was pretty similar. I mean, um, I remember my first my first dub game. They had a uh, it would we were on the road in Saskatoon and we had or they had like this huge ceremony or whatever. Um, I don't know whether it was like a banner night or whatever, but. Um, there was like a huge delay. It was like 40 minutes or something. So that made it uh, all the worst. I was kind of just sitting there, um, you know, super nervous, but um, I ended up, uh, you know, we ended up winning that game. So uh, it all ended up uh, working out great. Uh, you know, another, another game I'll never forget. Sure. Very, very special. 
Did you did you notice anything different when you got back to the American League after that experience? Um, obviously the pace. Uh, I think that that's pretty much what everybody would say. The pace was definitely, you know, compared to the NHL, it was it was a little slower. But I would say like the the offensive and the offensive chances were were definitely more. I would say like the, in the defense, obviously everybody's you know really super good at uh, defending and such, but. Uh, the biggest thing for me actually was like the screens. Like I found that in the national league, they were, you know, they were just like super good at, you know, just taking your eyes away. And, um, you know, they would like, they check, they would check their shoulders and like, they'd see where you're looking. And then, you know, they'd wait to, they would wait until, you know, they're about to shoot and then they'd move into that lane. So that was definitely something I took away going back, uh, to the American league was, you know, I got a, you know, I got to prioritize, uh, you know, getting getting better sight lines and uh, handling traffic better. And, um, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, throughout the year in Springfield, I thought I handled it better. And um, I actually incorporated, like, seeing low uh, more often uh, before. I would just automatically be looking high every time just because I thought that, you know, with my size, I could just see over everybody. But um, mm-hmm. I found that when I was in, like, a lower stance, I was just, like, in a better spot to be more uh, reactionary and um you know i uh, i found it uh, really helped me so can you give us any more detail on that like how low are we talking and and how do you avoid then getting caught because i know a lot a lot of people feel that they're they're safer in that high stance if they can use it yeah um the biggest thing for me was when i was in the high stance that when i would like shift shift into the low stance my my eye level would change so it was it was harder for me to pick up pucks um, okay. I just found that when I was in the lower stand, um, I would only, I would only really go in the low stand if I was forced to. So if there was like, if I couldn't see it or, um, maybe I had to look around someone or even, even under someone. Um, but I just found that like, I could, I could feel the ice better if it, you know, if someone did shoot it quick or if I had to pick up some weight, my eyes were just in a better spot, um, to where I could, I could, uh, track and, and catch, catch bucks better. Do you think those things translate when you go back? I mean, if you went back to the American League, if you go even further back to the Western Hockey League, where things are just a little bit more chaotic, a little bit less predictable, can can you play that National Hockey League way there still, or is it just a different game? I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's a different game because like in the Western League, obviously the guys aren't as big, and um, you know you're they're still kids, so they're they're not really. Um, I would say. I would say they're not really like sure exactly on how to like screen properly or whatnot. Same with like mm-hmm. the goalies there. Like everybody's still young and um, you're, you're obviously not fully developed. So for me, obviously I was, I was, uh, you know, one of the taller guys in, in the league. So I was definitely, um, I was getting away with a lot more than I think I would uh, at the pro level. What's, uh, do you have a plan for this year in terms of your personal development? I would say just keep focusing on, on uh you know what i've been focusing on i think i think the footwork's obviously a, a big thing for me um i know that you know being a big guy it can only be uh it can only be uh beneficial for me to you know be able to move well in the net and um you know if i can take up space you know it's all all the much better for me but um for me i want to be i want to be more consistent in that um last year i was at, at times i was definitely a little streaky but i think uh i think this year um, I'm definitely going to focus on, you know, being consistent because 
I feel like the, the best goalies in the league, I think uh, the ones that separate them are the ones that are consistent night in and night out. Um, I want to be someone where you know what you're getting uh, out of me on each and every night. And um, But yeah, I'm just super excited to you know get this year going and um, we should have a pretty good team. Uh, so yeah, it should be, uh, it should be pretty good and exciting. What can you do, whether it's just on your own or working with your goalie coaches to develop that consistency? Um, I would say the practice habits are definitely, uh, are definitely a big thing for me, you know, just focusing on, you know, working hard each and every practice and, you know, having a, having a practice plan each and every practice on, you know, whether you're going to focus on vision or, uh, maybe you're going to focus on your hands or even puck handling or just little things each and every day and not just going to practice blind and just kind of going through the motions. Another thing for me is obviously off ice stuff, whether it's sleeping or, you know, getting a good night's rest or, or eating habits. I know those things can uh, definitely creep on you. And, you know, if you have uh, good habits, it can only do good things for you. Have those, have those off ice routines changed in the last couple of years? I mean, I guess it must be so much harder when you're playing in the Western league and, on a bus all over Western Canada, but uh, yeah. in terms of those ways of looking after yourself, what's changed? Yeah, obviously in the Western League, you're super uh, you know, fortunate to have a bill that makes you, you know, a nice food each and every night. So, um, you know, it's just taking responsibility in, in yourself and, uh, you know, obviously uh, you have to prepare um, for each and every day, whether that's what meals you're having or what you have for breakfast or, or whatnot, or even, even getting a good night's sleep. So, um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, some nights last year I wouldn't get a good night's sleep and then the next practice I wouldn't have a good practice. So it definitely, uh, definitely correlates to long nights. So, um, definitely taking a, a good step forward and, um, you know, uh, being hard on myself, that stuff. So we have a new nutrition column over at Ingle and it's, uh, penned by Jamie Phillips who played, uh, in Winnipeg for a while. What's, uh, we're talking about your life changing here and having to look after yourself. So what's Joel's go, go to uh, meal at night? What do you, what's your specialty? Yeah. Me and my roommate would make uh chicken rice and then that, so it would keep it very simple, but, um, you know, we throw some spices or whatever on the chicken, uh, chicken and rice. So definitely, uh, made it simple and, uh, you know, pretty quick to eat, but yeah, that was pretty much our go-to. Um, if we were feeling, uh, we were feeling frisky or if we had a good hockey game on, we'd, we'd, uh, you know, make a steak or two. So that would kind of be there our go. treat for the night. But, um, yeah, we kept it uh, pretty simple for the most part. So you told me you improved your golf game just by watching YouTube. Is that what you're doing for cooking now too? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in the early going, definitely, uh, watching a lot of YouTube and you know, how to, how to do a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, I can't thank YouTube enough. All right, Joel. Well, listen, I, uh, I'll let you go and, uh, wish you a very safe drive on your way down to camp and wish you all the best at camp. I know it's going to be a, a great season for you and we're going to be watching and enjoying every minute along with you. Yeah, thank you, Arch. I appreciate it. He's not just a professional goaltender. He's a listener. He's a reader of Ingle. That's wild uh, and i love it and uh thanks for that uh joel hofer and david hutchison uh interesting conversation buddy yeah it was great fun and now that we're through the interview we can say to everybody uh why don't you give us a little shout out on social or send us an email and let us know what would your celly be if you scored a goal in your league uh it was so cool to hear uh joel tell us that he 
had thought about that because of our discussion uh, of what our Selly would be. And we knew it was just a matter of time before he'd get that goal. I still remember the World Junior Final when he took a shot at the empty net. And we stood up and screamed when this happened because we just figured it was coming. Uh, I'm sure it's not his last goal as a professional goaltender. Uh, great young man and really great that he's able to share so many things with us in such great detail. Uh, that's something I just really appreciate about Joel. He's such a well-thought young man. And uh, look forward to more contributions in the future as, as he continues his journey in the NHL. Love that he walked us. Kind of remind me of Scott Wedgwood a little bit, like that he walked mm-hmm. us right through that drill on the puck handling. That's the yeah. kind of stuff we love. Like, just don't tell me I'm work- you're working on puck handling. Tell me how. And Joel did that, uh, did a great job of that. And 100%. shout out to Dan Stewart, uh, the goalie coach down there um, with St. Louis's farm team. He mentioned Charlie Lindgren. Like, all we heard from both these guys is a lot of praise for both David Alexander at the, at the level, the NHL level with the Blues, but also Dan Stewart in his first year as the goalie coach down there with their, their farm team. Or I guess second year, the first year was kind of lockout or pandemic year, but just doing a great job with those guys. And not surprising, lesson there for all you minor hockey league goalie or coaches, not goalie coaches. They're always complaining that you want a goalie that can handle the puck. It doesn't happen without practice time and support for it. It just doesn't magically appear out of nowhere. You got to invest the time to encourage them to get out there, encourage them to make mistakes. Well, not encourage them to make mistakes, but make sure that you Allow encourage them, them to, to get mistakes. back out there and to let them make the mistakes. So um, Joel Hofers of the world don't happen by accident. Goals like that don't happen by accident. Coaches and a supporting coaching staff uh, are a big part of it. Hey, and, and don't forget the point that he made when talking about that drill, Woody. As much as we're celebrating the goal because it's so much fun, the work they put in was on the 10-foot passes, crisp and clean for the 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 passes that are going to make a difference for their breakout. And and arguably a more pressure on that than there is on lobbing a puck down the ice, right? Like you got to be clean oh, on, those, on those handoffs. Absolutely, because that's where if the mistakes happen, they end up in the back of the net. Um, it takes a pretty catastrophic mistake when you're shooting at the empty net to have a puck go in and you're probably doing it like Joel did with a two goal lead. So you're really just having a little safe fun. But uh, having that, that crisp, plan in your own zone that ability to make those short crisp passes uh, can make all the difference for for your team but as you said darren not without some risk uh, awesome stuff and it's uh, great to hear about the the celebrations woody did can you remind us what your plan is if you ever do score i've told i think i i think in that conversation i shared that my my celebration would be just if i got it past the blue line like i'm ready to ride the stick like tiger william or <laughs> tiger williams as soon as i get it past the blue line i don't think scoring is not in my skill set it's not my reality getting the puck getting the puck past center i might i might ride the stick like tiger williams for sure <laughs> uh woody had the great uh, visit with rj and hutch you you're it's a bit of an in-goal tour right now. You also got to spend some time with uh, one of our listeners. Oh, yeah. I love it every time somebody, uh, when we're out at a rink or wherever, just mentions that they listen to the podcast, they read in-goal. And uh, I was at the Vancouver Giants training camp and bumped into Paul McGowan, who is a goalie parent, not of a Vancouver Giant, uh, of a young goaltender uh, in the Delta area and just dropped by to see training camp and to let his son see what some high-level hockey looks like. And he mentioned that he listens to the podcast and is an in-goal member and just want to, for me, this one was really exciting everybody because Paul is a goalie parent. He was not a goalie himself. His son is young. Uh, he's not playing junior hockey yet. He's quite a, a long way from there 
at his age, and yet he finds InGoal to be an absolutely indispensable resource. He said it to me. He said, I can't believe every goalie parent doesn't already have a membership. He said at 50 bucks Canadian, it's just an unbelievable value. And then started to talk to me about all the different things that he's read and learned at InGoal. And I just really appreciated the time to swap some goalie stories with a a fellow goalie parent and and appreciated him taking the time to to say hi. So, Paul, thanks very much. And anybody else out there, become an InGoal member. It'll help your son or daughter become a better goaltender. And uh, and say hi when you see us around the rink. But you missed you you skipped the best part of that story, Hutch. Did I? He recognized you because he heard your voice. That's so strange. Were you doing the radio voice? Do you talk like that? That's what I do when I see people in the rink. If I see uh, important uh, junior hockey officials or scouts, I just walk up and say hello. My name's David Hutchison. And that's why he recognized. No, of course not. We were just having, I was just having conversation with, uh, I can't even remember who it was because I have so many great conversations in rinks. They're the, the best place to hang out, but uh, obviously just talking goaltending. So you probably just heard me saying something stupid and knew it must be me. I'm thinking of a decaf coffee. Would you like one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, are, are, are you David Hodgson from Ingle? Decaf. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be taking the incredible dark hot chocolate at the giants practice rink best hot chocolate on the planet wow woody can Lens you coffee new can shout you confirm? out I, I i have yet to visit uh not a hot chocolate guy but on hutch's recommendation i will uh definitely have to get out there and give it a try awesome i'll look forward to that and uh send your suggestions in for the ingle bible uh the glossary and as well what your celebration would be if you ever scored uh just like joel Hofer. Uh, thanks to Kevin Woodley, David Hutchison, uh, as well as Cam and Joel, and you for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs>